0: This is, the history. this is the lightning round podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! This
1: is the lightning round podcast coming to you live after a Chargers 31-20 win over the Buffalo Bills. We've got voicemails, we got a question, and we got a lot to get to, but not without shouting out this week's donations.
2: So uh, we have... Four donations this week, so big shout out goes to Zachary McNair, Hoseway Siberian, uh, sorry, Preston Walker, and John Nersessian. So Zachary, Hosway, Preston, and John, thank you all very much for the donations, for the ge- very generous support. And like we always say, we appreciate all of you for supporting us. However, it is you go about doing that, whether it's just listening or you know, communicating with us through social media or the app or donating or ranking us on iTunes. We appreciate all of your support, so thank you all very much.
1: Yeah, and as you guys have heard, uh, we didn't really announce it last week, but we're all now on the Bolts from the Blue podcast network, so make sure you're over there following all of us and uh, lots of other Chargers podcasts there as well, but you'll still find us
2: there. That's right. Exciting new development, so we'll be one of five weekly chargers podcast so a lot more content coming your way and uh we look forward to uh joining that that new program yep and i got a new solo pod
1: coming on thursdays you can catch those there as well so uh let's go ahead and get into it and let's go into our questions and our first question is from a caller which is our favorite way to get questions and it's from justin daniel
2: this is justin daniel uh listening in guangzhou china so my question is, um, I feel like the the secondary has gotten worse this year despite adding some real talent in Derwin James. Um, both games, it seems like there's been receivers wide open. I don't know if this is a problem with Gus Bradley's in-game management or, or what the trouble is, but I was wondering if you could address that. And... Um, why the secondary seems to have taken a step backwards this year. Thanks, uh, and go Bolts. So, Justin, I've noticed some of these busted coverages as well, some of the issues the Chargers have been having sticking with wide receivers. Uh, I do think there are some issues there that are related with uh, Gus Bradley's cover three scheme because he likes to drop his linebackers deep in zone coverage, and he at least last week he was basically letting Tyreek Hill run free through the secondary and expecting his linebackers to cover them we've also got issues with uh our favorite linebacker kyle emmanuel being on the field way too much <laughs> and being asked to cover wide receivers and tight ends in the slot which i think we all know how that turns out so those are some big issues in the bills game i noticed some some busted coverages too it looked like receivers or uh, corners in some situations were trying to jump short routes that they were anticipating and the buffalo uh, receivers were breaking routes upfield and getting open. There were some uh, blown assignments, two or three by Jalila Dye, a couple by by Kyle Emanuel. I saw Desmond King blow a couple coverages. I thought King might have had one of his worst games as a Charger. He was, uh, in addition to the penalty he had, he was really struggling in coverage, I thought. He let, let a couple guys go with no one to help him. So I think guys are maybe a little bit confused about their um, – about their assignments at times it seems like maybe there is an element of guys being a little over aggressive and jumping the first move with nobody behind them to help them so hopefully these are things that will get cleaned up uh but they were it was definitely an issue there were probably four or five coverages in the buffalo game alone that should have led to big gains and or points that josh allen just didn't see and didn't get the ball to the receivers and the Chargers were lucky in that regard because I think with a competent quarterback, we could have been talking about a very different result this week.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's also something to expect with Gus Bradley. There's a lot of cushion. And um, you also kind of have to, I don't want to say give him a pass, but at the beginning of the season, you know, some of this stuff happens. And I, there are a lot of the guys that are here from last year, but when you throw in Derwin James, Kaiser White, Cheninuosu, all getting major snaps – there's going to be some bumps and bruises along the way. And that's some of it you're seeing, but there's also guys like Adai who, I mean, we'll talk about a little bit in the manual, of course, but I mean, wide receivers and tight ends we saw a fullback burn him for a 20 plus yard gain again. So with DeMarco, so it's it's everybody's getting involved. They don't have to be fast or talented, but they can get behind this defense. And so <laughs> uh so yeah, it is it is a little concerning but also you got to see as the season goes along, especially with these younger guys and how they all click together.
2: Yeah, I think there's some some element of that, you know, the starters don't play a lot in the preseason. They're rounding into form. Uh, I've noticed that they've been playing guys who had, did not play a lot last year. There were snaps in there for um, for Rashawn Jenkins with the first team defense when they were running their dime packages. They had Adrian Phillips playing some free safety at times yesterday. So they are experimenting with some new personnel groups at times, uh, trying to get more of their corners and more of their quote-unquote playmakers on the field. So there's going to be some lapses in coverage at times as guys kind of grow into their roles and figure out what's expected of them. But then there are also guys that are being put in positions that they're not necessarily suited for who are struggling as a result of that with Jaleel Adai being one of those guys, Kyle Emanuel being one of those guys, um, players who just kind of seem lost when they're asked to be out in space covering people. And they are dropping assignments because they're not really suited to be doing what they're asked to what they are being asked to do.
1: So we got another question, and this is actually from one of our donors, Preston Walker. He says, hey, guys, love the show. Thanks for all you do. The Buffalo game was a nice score, left me with some questions. First one, are you concerned about overconfidence and lack of focus? The bolts seem to have, or is a swagger a good thing for a young, high-intensity defense? So first question.
2: Uh, I think, you know, I kind of hinted at it a little bit earlier when we answered the last question. It seems like, especially with the secondary players, this whole Jack Boys nickname and and the expectations for them to be forcing turnovers and making plays. It seems like some of these guys are taking some chances, trying to make plays that aren't necessarily there, and they're leaving wide receivers open behind them as they're jumping routes that um, that they're anticipating throws on, and the throws are not coming. So, I think you know some of these guys are still trying to figure out who they are, where they're going to play, what's expected of them. Uh, You got guys like Derwin James who are being asked to do a lot. Not that he's making the mistakes, but, you know, they're rotating guys in and out and things are changing. So I think you want to see guys have some swagger. You want to see guys have some confidence. Um, But, you know, I think overconfidence takes care of itself. If you keep getting beat, eventually that overconfidence is going to wane. So some of that stuff will take care of itself. And I, I, I would expect as the season goes on, the guys who played well last year will start to play better this year and the guys behind them will start to follow their lead. So hopefully some of that stuff will iron out, but no, I don't, I don't mind confidence. You you need to be confident. You have to have a short memory. You have to be able to bounce back from bad plays. I just think that, the thing that I want to see cleaned up is the personnel groupings and what some of these guys are being asked to do.
1: It doesn't really bother me, but when you start to throw in Des King, who you know starts waving to Zay Jones and mimicking a punt after the uh, third down stop, that that's where you can probably draw the line. But um, look, if they're playing with overconfidence, that's great. Uh, once they stop doing that, then they're going to be in trouble. So for now, it's fine, um, you know. But again, I don't think the defense is quite clicked yet. And it's small sample size and a weird one, too, because, you know, it was a lopsided game against Kansas City where Tyreek Hill basically just tore through them, And nobody else, Travis Kelsey or Kareem Hunt, needed to do anything. Patrick Mahomes made the throws, but it was all Tyreek Hill. This time around, the Bills didn't really have a functioning quarterback. So, you know, and the defense was terrible, and Phillip Rivers picked him apart for the first half and it was enough to, you know, coast through that game. So, you know, it's a little hard to judge so much yet but the overconfidence does not bother me Uh, the second part of the question do you think we've made legitimately good adjustments against the run week over week or are the bills just that bad
2: i think some of the personnel additions they've made are making a difference against the run uh derwin james obviously i mean to call him just a safety at this point is kind of selling him short he's basically like a linebacker who can play some corner and play some safety he's made a huge difference in run support uh kaiser white with his instincts and his his uh, you know speed of play and his ability to, to get to spots, he's made a huge difference. I thought uh, the defensive line played really well. They were really focused on stopping the run. They plugged holes and let their linebackers come in and clean things up. So I think there are some of the additions they've made are really helping. I think some of the players who maybe didn't perform as well last year are showing in flashes that they, they might have better years this year. And, yeah, the Bills suck.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Again, I'm not sure. I think the defensive line played well. And you got to give the Chargers credit in taking away the Bills' only offensive weapon in Lashawn McCoy. Uh, He had nine carries, 39 yards. Most of that came on a 27-yard run he had to begin the third quarter. So most of that came on one run. They did well. But like we mentioned last week, they didn't really get tested against the Chiefs. Tyreek Hill was the guy they kept going back to. And, look, they took him, They took McCoy away, but also McCoy didn't run a lot against Baltimore either, who actually has a pretty good run defense too. But, yeah, the Bills aren't very good. So I don't think they really have gotten tested quite yet. Um, they, did, they did enough to win that game in Buffalo, which is great, and that's all that really matters. But um, if you're asking you know, is the run defense good? I don't know. You can legitimately say they are or aren't yet. They've done pretty well on the stat sheet, but come week three and Todd Gurley, they've got the real test.
2: Yeah. And I think you got to point out, you know, I said it jokingly that the Buffalo sucks, but their offensive line is terrible. Um, awful. I mean, they've got, you know, a bunch of backups playing on the offensive line. They can't really block anybody. And it really showed on Sunday. So. The Chargers performed well on Sunday. They stopped the run. Uh, obviously, a 26 point or 20, what, 22 point lead going into halftime played a big role in, the, in Buffalo's ability to continue running the ball and continue testing them. Uh, but they showed well when Buffalo was able to, was trying to run the ball and was still, quote unquote, in the game. And they've shown flashes of being able to really hold up at the point of attack much better than I think any of us anticipated early in the season. But like Garrett said, big test coming uh, with Todd Gurley and the Rams. Cause that's a good offensive line and you know, they're going to pound the rock.
1: Yeah, that offensive line in Buffalo was good a year ago, but they lost all their important pieces. Richie Incognito, Eric Wood, which was a staple in the middle, Cody Glenn. I mean, they lost them all. And it's basically a patchwork offensive line, and they're not very good. And you saw with the amount of sacks that they've tallied up in the last two games, they they can't protect any quarterback back there. So uh, let's go ahead and start talking about the game. I mean, we've kind of teased it enough. Let's give the people what they want. Uh, Let's talk about some important storylines that happened on Sunday.
2: Well, I think you can't talk about this game without talking about the storyline of Derwin James and what he did in that game. Uh, You know, Derwin, I mentioned it earlier, you know, he's referred to as a safety or a defensive back. I don't really think that does justice to the role that he's playing on this defense for a rookie. They're asking a lot of him. He played in the box as a strong safety. I saw him out playing in the slot at times. He played some free safety. He is really all over the field. Uh, One of the things that I love that they did with him this week, they they didn't do nearly enough against Kansas City, was they were frequently lining him up on the same side as either Uchenna Nwosu or Melvin Ingram and having him blitz off the edge. There were a couple times where he and Desmond King blitzed off the same side of the line of scrimmage. So they are finding ways to get him involved in all phases of the defense, and he did not disappoint. Uh, Eight tackles, I think, six of which were solo, if I'm not mistaken. Two tackles for loss. He was credited with one sack, although he really had two, in my opinion. He had a beautiful pass breakup on a play about 25 yards downfield against Charles Clay. Uh, A couple big sticks in the run game. He had one one pass play to Shady – I think it was to Shady McCoy where he closed quickly and blew him up at the line of scrimmage before he could make a move. Derwin was all over the place, basically playing as the Chargers fifth or fourth linebacker, fourth linebacker and uh, was really – I mean, he ran straight through two blockers on blitzes. He did everything. He He just was playing like a man possessed, and he took over that game in a lot of ways. So I think Derwin is – the big storyline coming out of this game just in terms of what they asked of him and how well he handled it
1: yeah and that was that was obviously one of the storylines I wanted to talk to and how could you not but you know let's let's just talk about the rookies in general you talked about Derwin James led the team in tackles had a sack two tackles for a loss a pass breakup that pass breakup where Allen whipped that ball into Charles Clay down the field if Derwin doesn't get a hand on that that is a big gainer, if not a possibility, a six. I mean, he was out on an island. They left the rookie one-on-one with the tight end, a veteran tight end, and a pretty good one at that, and Derwin James able to get the pass breakup.
2: Huge play. And he was trailing on that play, and he had yeah. to close and make up ground to get his hand on it and timed it perfectly. I mean, that's I mean, that's a veteran play right there for, for yeah. a guy playing in his second NFL game. Yeah, to be able to make that play.
1: Yep, and then the sack, you know, the sack that you're talking about that should have been two was where he was in the backfield so fast, Josh Allen couldn't hand the ball off, and he tucked it, and basically, you know, they said he was a runner at that point, and they called it a tackle for a loss. But it's not his fault. He was in, he laser in the backfield so damn fast. Give the man a sack, man. Come
2: on, that was great. Yeah, and he easily could have finished that game with three or four sacks and the way he played because.
1: Yeah, and that's what he, I kind of wanted to get to. Yeah, because he was all over the place, and, man, he shoots in that backfield. Damn, is he fast. You know, we talk about how good of a blitzer Des King was last year. This is a whole nother level from Derwin James.
2: Des King is a blitzer. Yeah. We talked about it during the draft prep. Derwin James is a pass rusher. Yeah. And there's a distinct difference there.
1: Yeah, and, and I made the joke that Derwin James was a top five pass rusher in this draft class we might not be far off from that i mean he was (laughs) so damn good um the one thing if we can start to talk about you know some rookie mistakes you talked about he could have had a couple sacks there were a couple missed sacks that could have cost the chargers didn't particularly but there was one on the first bill's possession where he ran right by josh allen but it forced him back inside Cheninuosu cleaned it up got the sack but the very next play That's when he slams Josh Allen down for a loss of six, tackle for a loss. So learn from his mistake there. There was one where he ran past him on a second and six on the Bills drive right after half. And Allen ducked out of the way and then ran for a first down. Uh, There was another time with 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter that he chased down Allen, missed him, but kept pursuit and forced a throw away. It was an incompletion. So he had three opportunities to really get another sack and didn't. Only one of them cost the team by, you know, the first down and extending a drive, but man, you know, he missed it. And I think, you know, he's got to play a little bit more under
2: control in that respect on one of his blitzes. I thought he killed Shady McCoy. I mean, he ran through him. Like he wasn't even there. Yeah. He did it to the fullback, Brian DeMarco once. I mean, just, they stepped out to block him and he just ran right through him. It was like he was running through wet paper. It was crazy. Yeah. And the collision didn't even slow him down. He just trucked him. Yeah. And, there, there is definitely, you know, he could definitely benefit from being a little bit more under control. He's a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit too amped up and a little bit over aggressive in his angles, and he's allowing escape angles. So he needs to be a little bit more disciplined with his pass rush angles and really focus on pinning the quarterback down in the, in the pockets to, to let other guys clean it up, but. It's hard to complain about what he's doing as a, as a blitzer slash pass rusher yeah. in his second NFL game.
1: Absolutely. And then, of course, we got to talk about Kaiser White. You talked about a little bit earlier. He had himself a game two pass breakup in the second quarter, which he almost came down with. I was surprised. in the re- It didn't look like it live, but in the replay, he was close to having two interceptions that game. Uh, but he still knocked it away. Of course, he had the interception on uh, the tight end, Kroom. But I don't know if you saw it, and I, you probably did, but did you see after Kaiser White— got the interception, he got back up. And did you see Derwin James fly in there? I did. And knock Kroom out? Yeah, they almost gave him that blindside block penalty. They were talking about it, but holy cow, the intensity and the effort from Derwin James <laughs> after that interception was awesome. And there were two plays back-to-back that kind of summed up Derwin James and Kaiser White's day. It was um, Josh Allen. It was at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and I think this is the one you were talking about with Shady McCoy, where Josh Allen dumped it off to the tight end uh Jason Kroon, and Derwin James came right away, stuck him, and it was a one-yard gain but slammed him to the ground, and there was nowhere for him to go as soon as he got the ball. But then the very next play, Josh Allen's a little bit under duress. He tries to check down to Chris Ivory, but Kaiser White closes so fast and wraps up on Ivory that he can't even secure the catch. It was so bang-bang that it ended up being an incomplete pass. James and White were absolutely locked in on Sunday. They were playing with confidence. They are playing both downhill, and they were playing so aggressive and of course you know you got to talk about Ochen Nwosu with his sack to start the game you finish with three tackles you showed pretty good containment too on one particular uh, run design that i saw for josh allen so pretty good good overall but one one other thing i want to add about derwin james you is
2: you can't stop talking about can derwin. you
1: Im- i can't i can't i mean i would like to spend the next 50 minutes on him to be honest but can you imagine and gus bradley's kind of you know let derwin james a little loose here Can you imagine Derwin James when Joey Bosa comes back?
2: Oh.
1: boy. (laughs) Just wait. Derwin
2: is coming. Get ready. Imagine Derwin and Joey on the same side of the line of scrimmage (laughs) coming after the quarterback. night. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I thought Kaiser White's, he had two plays in particular that I thought were really impressive. Obviously, the interception was fantastic. I mean— he was on the opposite side of, line, of the line of scrimmage from where the, the tight end was, Brian Kroon, who released into the backfield. He turned the wrong way and was trying to keep his eye on the quarterback while dropping into his zone. Then he flipped his hips, turned around the other way, and closed on the throw and made a leaping catch of it. I mean, it was it was, it was was a thing of beauty. I mean, it, it didn't even look like – I'm not even sure Kroon was his man. It looked mm-hmm. – watching the replay on all, all 22, it almost looked like um, – Denzel Perriman was supposed to pick him up and dropped him as he, he over-pursued on the play action. And uh, and Kaiser had to recover and close in a hurry to make that play. So fantastic play. And then the other one, which you mentioned also, was the, the throw to, to Ivory in the fourth quarter where he was a good – I think Kaiser was a good five or six yards from the play when Allen started to make the throw, and he was there breaking up the pass – as as Ivory was trying to make the play. I mean, he closed so quickly. He read it perfectly, exploded down, downhill on the ball and just broke it up beautifully. I mean he, he he was fantastic. He had three pass breakups in that game, four tackles. Uh he had one missed tackle that I remember early in the game where he actually read a play really well on a swing pass to, to Shady McCoy. Kind of broke down and ducked his head and missed the tackle. Yep. Uh but other than that he was very solid, and he actually bailed the defense out by picking up men that were not his way downfield on busted coverages. He was just alert enough to get back and disrupt the passing lanes. So
1: excellent in coverage on Sunday.
2: Excellent. He was fantastic, and I think I saw he had the second greatest, the second best uh, coverage rating of any Chargers player in the game yesterday. Hmm. So he he was fantastic.
0: Yeah. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.
1: So, uh, you know, you talked about uh, Derwin James, kind of talked about the rookies. I'll I'll throw one out. And um, it's about how the Chargers basically saw a mismatch with these Bills linebackers and just attacked them. In week (laughs) one, the Ravens had three tight ends uh, going back and watching that game. Nick Boyle, Max Williams, and Mark Andrews, they got 103 yards combined, and they just attacked the Mike, which was the rookie, Tremaine Edmonds, and they attacked the Will, Matt Milano. And that's exactly what the Chargers did on Sunday. They took the play out of what the Ravens did on in Week 1 and just copied it over. Belvin Gordon's first touchdown pass was on Tremaine Edmonds across the middle of the field. Basically make those two run and cover. The, second, the one right after that, which was the TD, that was the kind of wheel route, That was Matt Milano in coverage, so they picked on Edmonds for one touchdown, picked on Milano for the other touchdown, and then you saw, you know, with the tight ends for the Ravens, the Chargers did the same thing. They got Virgil Green involved more, had three catches, 55 yards. They basically saw the middle of the field as easy money, and in the first half they just kept going back to that well and with success. You saw Keenan Allen uh, with success. You saw Tyrell Williams with the Crossers have success. I mean, they, they knew exactly what to do. They attacked it. And that it was a great offensive game plan for the first half.
2: Yeah, I was, uh, you know, you mentioned in your other podcast, I wrote an article about it for bolts from the blue last week with my game plan piece. And I basically said that the biggest thing that I thought the charters would do would be to try to isolate Tremaine Edmonds in coverage on the, on the running backs. And they did exactly that. They, and they did it every way possible. They had the, you mentioned the touchdown pass to Melvin Gordon, which was just a simple, you know, uh, play action pass out of I believe it was I think it was 11 personnel they motion Keenan Allen in from the left side tied to the line of scrimmage to sell run uh and of course Tremaine's in first instinct on every play is to come downhill towards the line of scrimmage so they fake the handoff to Melvin Tremaine comes up into the hole to try to meet Melvin Melvin runs right by him breaks it out on the post in the middle of the field and he's gone before Tremaine even knows what happens they ran the same play again in the fourth quarter and picked up a first down on it in the middle of the field. Uh, they they had a couple really well-designed swing passes and wheel routes to um, to Eckler out of the backfield where they had either trips or twins on the left side to the wide side of the field, and they ran guys deep down the field to clear out space and just swung Eckler out into the backfield underneath that and made, made a... Edmonds, who was basically playing on the hashes, come all the way across the field to try to chase down Eckler, and he just couldn't do it. And I was a little surprised they didn't use Eckler in that role a little bit more often, because he was so effective doing it. But what they were doing with him and Gordon in the middle of the field, and you mentioned Green, was just a thing of beauty. I mean, they they knew exactly what they wanted to do, and they just kept going back to it, and there was no answer for it. They never adjusted.
1: Yeah. So, uh, give me something else you noticed during
2: this game. Uh, well, I think the another big storyline for me is how well Philip Rivers played. I thought Rivers was really on point. He was 23 of 27 for I think 256 and three touchdowns. And I believe three of his four incomplete passes were balls he threw away, one other one was tipped. So basically if he if he was trying to complete a pass he did for the most part. He was really on point. He was getting his team into the right plays. He was making good throws, good reads, you know, just he was fantastic. It was one of the better games he's played in a couple years, I thought. It may not show in the statistics because he didn't put up monster numbers, but he was razor sharp from the start of that game and really never slowed down with the exception of the pass rush not protecting him in the second half
1: yeah and i don't i don't have a note on this and what I, but i just want to give a shout out to mike williams man that touchdown pass great throw by rivers great catch in traffic by mike williams not a catch i think either tyro williams and definitely not travis benjamin making traffic because you know tyro williams is not the strongest guy at the catch point but man mike williams took the hit and kept it down and first great first touchdown for mike williams
2: yeah both his catches in that game Played big roles in either scoring points or extending drives, and they were both physical catches in traffic. So uh, good on him. I thought those were the two best plays he's made as a Charger so far.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. So uh, I'll go ahead and give you one, and uh, it's not, it's not a good one. We've been talking about the good stuff, but it's just how this team came out flat in the second half. You know, they came out, they went, th- they had three three and outs in the third quarter. They had nine total yards. The defense lets the Bills score a touchdown in their first possession. There was that. Long touchdown run by uh, Shady McCoy, or long, excuse me, the long 27-yard run by Shady McCoy. And then that blown coverage by Jalila Dye where he bit on a play fake. He jumped down the line of scrimmage, left the fullback Patrick DeMarco just leaked down the sideline. It was, he was uncovered for 24 yards. And, you know, you think like when you travel to the East Coast, a lot of these West Coast teams come out sluggish. But this was the exact opposite. You know, they came, the coaches seemed like they had the team ready. They were ready to go when it started. And then they coasted for the next two quarters. And you know, I think good teams step on the gas and bury teams like this. The Chargers got the win, and that obviously carries the most weight. But this coaching staff was outcoached in week one. We talked about it with the Chiefs. They looked like they kind of fell asleep at the wheel in the second half. Uh, they can't afford to do that the rest of the season. They're not going to play a team like this bad Bills team. And they definitely can't do it next week against the Rams. And I get it. It's the beginning of the season. And, you know, you're working through some kinks and all that. We talked about it earlier. But I think it needs to be addressed and dealt with so they can deter it the next time it happens. And as I'm saying that, I listen to Lynn's press conference, and he says, Look, we did not play winning football in the second half. It did not happen, and we're working on it. So that's a good start for them to recognize it. Now, will they fix it? We'll see, but it's good that they're doing some self recognition. They can see that there was some real bad play in that second half, realize it happened, and try to fix it.
2: Yeah, the second half was not overly pretty. I thought, you know, the offensive line really got overwhelmed in the second half. Big uh, time. The Bills started blitzing, they were sending, you know, Four, five, six guys on almost every play. It seemed like, and there was just no answer for it. Jerry Hughes really took the game over in the second half. In a lot of ways, he gave both Russell Okung and uh, Sam Tevy big time problems. They couldn't hang with him at all, and there was just no time for Rivers to throw. And there was no, re- there weren't any holes to run through either. So there was just, there was no opportunity for the Chargers to move the ball. It seemed like the Bills, after getting really their asses handed to them for six for the first six quarters of the season decided that was a good time to show some pride and try to show that they could still play football and the chargers just didn't have any answers for it the coaches never adjusted the game plan there even when they went max protect to try to protect rivers there was still pressure they couldn't keep them clean so i think the offensive line needs to be addressed to me i know it was really loud at new era field uh very loud That, that crowd surprised me with how loud it was at times especially on third downs but it looked to me like both Russell Okung and Sam Tevi were a step slow coming out of their breaks. I don't know if it was all about the noise, but they just did not look like they could hang with Jerry, Jerry Hughes off the edge at all. And that's a concern. So they got to figure out what to do with that. Look at it on tape and see if they can figure out a way to, to help Okung or get him fixed up. Cause that might have been his worst game as a charger so far. He was not very good in that game. Um, and the defense, you know, they, they held, they held down when they had to. I thought they had some blown coverages in the second half. They were kind of sloppy. Um, but I think there were enough good things in this game to feel good about the result and carry over in the next week. But that does not mean that there are not things that, that need to be cleaned up.
1: Yeah. most important part is they got the W, and yep. that's what matters most. But also that doesn't mean it was a perfect game from the start. To the end so you kind of touched on my next one but go, give me another uh, important storyline from this weekend
2: well my i i mentioned it already but my next important storyline was the play of the offensive tackles i think everybody was concerned about sam Tevi, and we all just kind of took for granted that russell okun was going to be good and russell okun was not good he was getting beat to the outside he was getting beat to the inside he struggled with speed Struggled with power both he and Tevi spent a lot of time with their backs to the line of scrimmage chasing down edge rushers uh, it was not pretty at all in terms of tackle play, particularly in the second half. Rivers had a lot of time in the first half, but things really broke down in the second half when when Buffalo started playing. So that is a concern. You didn't, you wouldn't expect that out of Okung, uh, but the fact that Tevi basically is who we thought he was is concerning because if what happened yesterday continues, it kind of seems like they need to help both tackles, and that that's going to be hard to do.
1: Yeah, and obviously, you know, we're not ready to throw in the towel on Okung. I mean, he's he was so good last year, and he was pretty good in game one, too. But um, that was my next one, too. I mean, these both tackles and the O-line really faltered late. Um, Jerry Hughes, who's a good pass rusher, just had his way with Russell Okung and Sam Tevy. They gave up way too much ground as pass protectors. And Hughes was just consistently winning almost every matchup. And the offensive line as a whole in the first half did pretty good, But, man, the second half, they just struggled. And I get Forrest Lamp was inactive again for the second week in a row. After Lynn said that he would work him into the lineup and he'd actually get some snaps, which is kind of disappointing. But with this game coming up in week three, I think the staff has really got to start shuffling in Lamp and see if a combination of getting Schofield to right tackle and Lamp at right guard works better than what they have right now because with sam teviot right tackle they're going to have problems and he's just not cutting it right now and with that line that rams d line coming to town the Chargers are going to need some help and uh, you know we don't know the story with lamp and how far along he is in his recovery but i mean if you thought the chiefs and bills d line was good just wait till wade phillips comes to town
2: yeah you know I kind of expected the struggles to be with Tevi, and I thought that Feeney and, and Schofield might really struggle inside with Harrison Phillips and, uh, Kyle Williams. But I thought for the most part, Tevi and Pound, I'm sorry, uh, Feeney, Pouncey, and Schofield all played pretty well for the most part. They, they both had their moments where they got pushed around a little bit, but they, they held, they held their own very well against the, the, the interior trio of, uh, Kyle Williams, Harrison Phillips, and Starlutalele. Yeah. I, but I was... Much
1: better than expected. Yes. Much better than expected. Much better
2: than expected. But I did not expect the struggles from the from both tackles. I thought Tevi would struggle, but I figured they'd find ways to help him, either chip with the running back or get... Uh, Virgil Green on that get side. Get Virgil Green involved or maybe have S- Culkin over there. But there were a lot of struggles, even when they tried to help him, uh, whoever was helping him was missing blocks. So... There, there are some issues over there on the right side and they got to figure out a way to, to get Lamp on the field, whether it's playing right guard or playing right tackle. Some combination of Forrest Lamp and Michael Schofield needs to be out there because Sam Tevy is a bottom of the barrel swing tackle and he, if he's going to be playing major snaps, they're in big trouble.
1: I don't know if it's realistic to think they could throw him out as a starter yet. And I, as much as I believe they could at least start working it in practice and see if you've got something there, you you got to try something because this Sam Tevye at right tackle is just not working. It's and you know, it's a long season. They're only two games in who knows how long Joe Barksdale's is going to be out. So I think they got to start mixing and matching.
2: Yeah, they definitely do. They got to find some kind of combination that works. Um, even if it's, Maybe rotating Lamp between guard and tackle at times, just to see where he's a better fit. I'm still a big believer that he can play tackle at this position. I'm at, at this level. I'm convinced he can definitely play right tackle at this level. So I would like to see him at tackle. But whether it's him at tackle or him at guard, Lamp's got to be start. They got to start getting Lamp up to speed. They need to get him on the field, and hopefully by week five or six, he's in a position where he can start playing some important snaps.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so what else you got?
2: So I think the other storyline here is I noticed that there were some personnel group changes, uh, both on offense and defense. So it seems like both Wiz and uh, and uh, Gus Bradley are really doing a good job of starting to figure out who fits where and fitting guys into specific roles. For example, I noticed there was a lot more of Jatavis Brown on the field on third down and dime packages. Uh, so their dime packages, they rolled out a dime package with – Two down linemen and, uh, and Melvin Ingram rushing the passer, which, which also involved, uh, a Rashawn Jenkins playing dime linebacker. So that at the times they had, uh, seven or eight defenders on the field, uh, defensive backs on the field in their dime package, which is the first time we've seen that. And then on offense, a lot more of Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler on the field at the same time, a lot more snaps for, um, for Austin Eckler, we saw—I believe it was 36 snaps for Melvin Gordon and 24 for Eckler. So the gap is starting to to narrow a little bit. And man, I—you know—we didn't. It's we're not one. Neither one of us is listed as one of our our storylines. But the plays that Eckler was making on Sunday were ridiculous. Uh, there were a couple of run plays where they had him stretching out to the edge, where it looked like he was dead to rights, and he just made on one play it was I think it was his first carry of the game where they had him on a jet sweep to the right side of the line. Lorenzo Alexander was right there, snuck through the line, was waiting for him, and Eckler just took one step outside of him to widen his angle, cut the ball right back upfield and picked up twelve yards. And there was another play, a similar play, where they, they he ran off tackle to the left, and it looked like uh I think it was Vontae Davis, one of the one of the Bills corners filled the hole and was waiting for him, and he just wiggled inside, jump cut, and picked up 20 yards, I think it was. So they're starting to find roles for guys that they want to get on the field. They're starting to figure out how they're going to rotate guys at certain positions, and I think that all bodes well as we move forward because it shows that they're starting to get a handle on their personnel and and how they can put guys in the best position to succeed. So I, I, I think that's a good thing. They'll probably still go through some some rotations and some machinations in terms of figuring out who fits where for the next couple of weeks. But hopefully by the time they get into week five or six, they'll have those things figured out and they'll really have those rotations dialed in.
1: Yeah, it is. It is amazing how, much wiggle austin eckler has it's like it seems like the very first defender is never bringing him down like there's no way the first guy in space is bringing austin eckler down and there were two dump offs where it was maybe like a third and nine and a third and 12 where eckler catches it at the line of scrimmage and he's got five guys in front of him and you think he might get this (laughs) he makes one or two guys miss the third guy's at his ankles and the fourth and fifth guy tackle him short but Man, like it seems like every time he's got the ball in his hands, he could either break one or he's going to make a very positive play with that ball in his hands. And, you know, you saw even though Melvin Gordon got a lot of opportunities and a lot of wide open opportunities to score a few times this game, it seemed like – Austin Eckler, like at the line of scrimmage, was making guys' miss and always making positive plays. Where Melvin Gordon gets it, and he's doing the dance a little bit from time to time. And he's getting a couple losses, or he's getting hit in the backfield. It's just Eckler is such more of a smooth runner and a positive gainer as well, a running back.
2: He's got much better vision, and he's got better burst. So once he sees the hole, he's through it and he's gone. Whereas... Melvin shuffling his feet and he's searching for the hole and he's not really sure where he's going. And by the time he stops and starts again, somebody's in the backfield ready to hit him. So there's just no wasted motion, no wasted time or effort with Eckler. He's, he's getting the ball, hitting the hole and going. And he's usually going to make the first guy miss and he's probably going to run through the last guy. So yeah, he was very impressive, but I'm really happy to see that they're expanding his role and finding ways to get him, Get his get the ball in his hands, whether it's, you know, on a jet sweep or with a quick dump off pass, something in space where he's got a chance to beat a linebacker one on one, which seems like a given at this point.
1: Yeah. Since we're giving a couple shout-outs, I thought Adrian Phillips had a good game, obviously had the interception, made a pretty big play on special teams where he made a big tackle, but uh, looks pretty good. Got a lot of snaps towards the end of the game, and I thought he was he did pretty good.
2: Yeah, you know his interception, I don't know if he caught it or not, but he was actually spying on Josh Allen, yeah. and he followed yeah. him across the field, and as Allen wound up to throw, he closed on the ball and made a good play on it. So yep. kudos to him. He did have a very solid game. Um, uh, One of the better plays he's made as a Charger, in my opinion. That and the interception against the Browns last year were two of his better plays. Anything else you want to add before we get out of here? i just really like to see this team clean up the mental errors, whether it's Des King with the penalty, which you mentioned earlier, or the blown coverages, or whatever the case may be. They're making mistakes that they can survive against teams like the Bills. They won't survive those mistakes against teams like the Rams and some of these other teams on the schedule, so they need to get these mental errors cleaned up and they need to start focusing and doing a better job of being aware of the situation and not making stupid mistakes.
1: Yeah, and I think it's a good first step that they rec- they realize it in that building. You know, That's not something we'd ever hear from Mike McCoy. That's for damn sure. He's not saying, hey, we messed up. We got to clean some things up.
2: And you never would have seen McCoy lay into a player the way uh, Anthony Lynn laid into Desmond King on the sideline. I nope. mean, he made an example of him and... I mean, players would have just brushed McCoy off and walked right by him, and there would have been no no respect for what he was saying. But, I mean, King was wrapped with attention and was not going anywhere until that tirade was over. He took every bit of it because he knew he had to, and I'm sure that message was delivered.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, and I don't see Des King doing that anytime soon. No,
2: in fact, I don't know if you saw, he said after the game that I guess he and Zay Jones are really good friends.
1: Yeah, And he yeah. felt
2: like he got the better of him on that play. So he was kind of talking a little bit, and he got caught. And he said, yeah, I don't think that'll happen again. So <laughs> he knows.
1: <laughs> yeah, I bet so. And, got you know, you got to think for a guy like McCoy who was crouched down almost in the fetal position when they were losing, <laughs> a guy who delivers a speech like that, yeah, I don't think they're listening. But Anthony Lynn, the dude we saw flexing at the goal line, I, I'd listen to him too. Yep, yeah, you kind of have to. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, guys. Well, Chargers win. We don't have to wait till week five to get the first win of the season. How about that?
2: That's fantastic. Thank <laughs> God for that.
1: So I am at Twitter. I am at Garasisti Jamie?
2: At Lightning underscore round. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody.
0: Hello.